We're going to be looking this morning in uh, two passages of Scripture, James chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 5. Of course, we'll probably mention some other Scriptures, but those are our main Scripture texts for this morning's message. We've been looking for the last, I think it's four weeks, uh, really about uh, belonging and um, the subject of righteousness and being conscious and understanding uh, our position with God when we go to approach God and when we um, approach Jesus, what our position is. Because really, if you don't know your position, you won't, uh, you won't fulfill it. So uh, you could think of like any politician or somebody like that, that maybe when they first get into office, they don't realize the power that they have. And then they start to realize the power they have and they start to do a lot more. And then, you know, maybe some of them like to go beyond the power that they're supposed to have. Right? So 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 5 and read through verse 10. First, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses uh, 5 through 10. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. You, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, uh, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in your brothers, uh, same afflictions are accomplished in your brothers that are in the world. Verse 10, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and powerful penetrates to the innermost part of our being. Father, we thank you that your word changes us, that your word brings understanding and brings light. We trust the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we trust you this morning uh, to speak through my lips, to open your word, the word of God to us, to unveil, to unfold. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, Peter, in writing this uh, epistle, Peter, this is not like Peter's uh, epistle before Christ went to the cross. This is not Peter's epistle right after Christ went to the cross, but Peter wrote this when he was older uh, and had been through a lot and had experienced a lot with Jesus, right? We remember Peter, and uh, you got to love Peter because he was so uh, bold. Uh, Whichever way he was going, he was very bold, right? Remember when Jesus wanted to uh, wash the disciples' feet? He's like, no, Lord. And then uh, the Lord said to him, Jesus said to him, well, if I can't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. And he's like, well, then wash my whole body, right? He, he, he's, he's very much like that. Joel, my youngest son, reminds me of that because he's like, uh, 100% this, and no, you can't be doing that. And all of a sudden, he'll just like snap and change and 100% this. And... Um, that can be a good trait. <laughs> like, I, like you realize that uh, your personality uh, can be a real strength or it can be a real uh, deterrence, right, from following the plan of God and the will of God. So you want to just hone it and use it for the things of God. 
Uh, the Lord really, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, uh, Pastor Mark likes to say he changes your, he'll change your personality. I think an even better way maybe to say it is that uh, the Holy Spirit will live through your personality. So uh, in the areas where you're weak, you get the strength of God in those areas and you actually don't fall to the weakness. In the areas where you're strong, you still rely upon the Holy Spirit. It's still expressed through your personality. And so um, God has come, Jesus has come inside of us to change us from the inside out. So we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, behold, all things have become new. Uh, but you notice, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, that you can yield your personality to the Lord and it's the most wonderful uh, personality to experience for you and for other people. Or you can like yield your personality to your flesh. And uh, some things are wonderful, some things are not. <laughs> and so uh, when Jesus came, he didn't come to deliver us out of the world. But he came to deliver us from the control of the world. From the dominion of the world over us, from the dominion of the devil, you know, the world and the world system. So Jesus didn't come, right? Uh, it'd be a different kind of world if the second someone was born again, you were instantly translated into heaven. Right? I think of the scripture, and uh, my wife's not in here, so I can say it freely. I think of the scripture that uh, if you get married, you will have trouble in the flesh. <laughs> Right? So, uh, in other words, it's not all going to be easy, but, uh, you know, it's more than worth it to be married. And so, um, when we're born again, it's not like everything just automatically, now everything works for you and everything's going to be easy and life's just going to, um, you know, you're going to walk by the flowers and they're going to sing a song to you and everything's going to be wonderful. Uh, sometimes that's actually when some of the attacks begin. Because now uh, you're a danger to the devil because um, you're a Christian. And a Christian is one that's like Christ. That means actually one that has the same anointing of the same spirit as Jesus had. The same equipment that Jesus had. And that's why Jesus said it's better if I go away. Because if I don't go away, uh, I can only be with so many people at a time. But if I go away, I'll send my spirit. And then I'll live inside of every single one of you. And you'll be the devil's worst nightmare. Because... Now Jesus is available to anybody that needs him through any believer that's alive. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. So um, what I want to talk about today is uh, when anxiety attacks. You ever had like anxious thoughts or uh, worried thoughts or lots of pressures coming against you, lots of... Uh, uh, well, you could really say attacks from different angles, and uh, yeah, everybody cuddle up next to somebody. And uh, you got like, you feel like you're being bombarded or surrounded by all of the things that are happening. And sometimes uh, it can just be a lot of circumstances. Sometimes it can be like, <clears throat> you know, this is like such a terrible example, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Uh, you ever have like, Someday where you're driving to the office or you're driving to church and like you hit every light green, it's boom, 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 boom. And then other days it's like every single light you hit red. And it's like, you're like, what have I done wrong? Like, like why is this happening to me? Well, that's like a very superficial example. But sometimes in life, uh, you look and you feel like everything is a red light. 
Like no matter where you look, no matter where you go, no matter what happens, no matter how much you're praying in the word, like all this stuff is just like surrounding you and coming around you and overpowering you or feels like it's overpowering you. So that's the subject of today's message, uh, when anxiety attacks. Of course, we see verse 7, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And then verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, uh, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So, uh, you know, there's, there's really um, several passages of Scripture that you can see that once you're born again, um, the devil doesn't just get locked up on your behalf. The devil doesn't just disappear. Uh, it's not like he's not a problem anymore. In reality, he, he is not a problem for the believer because the believer has authority over the devil. But the devil, uh, we learn in other passages of Scripture, is still the God of this world. And I like to amplify it uh, more like from the Greek. He's the God of this world system. Okay? So when you come in contact with the world system, uh, it's really easy to come in contact with uh, fruit that the devil is producing. So have you ever been like... Um, uh, somewhere where somebody was very angry and uh, you walked into like this small group of people and this person's angry and then all these other people get angry and it's like you get this crowd mentality and the whole crowd gets angry and then you walk into it and all of a sudden you get angry and you're like thinking, wait a second, I had every green light today. <laughs> this was a great day. And you actually start to pick up almost the spirit that's influenced that other person is trying to what influence you. So I know I've been in situations where you go and you even like, you know, well, let me, let me talk with you and minister to you and help calm you down. And all of a sudden, I'll find like a desire in my flesh to be like, jump on the bandwagon and just be like, they'll snap at you and you want to like snap right back. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I, I come to myself, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what's, what's going on here? And so um, you realize that uh, we do have an adversary, like Peter said, the devil, who walks about as or like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So the first thing that really we should look at is that he is not a roaring lion. Uh, Peter said he walks as a roaring lion. In other words, he appears that way. Now, I have never been on a safari uh, over in Africa. I may be going on a missions trip there at the beginning of next year, so I still probably won't go on a safari when I'm there. Um, but I've heard of people that have, and uh, I don't know how many people know uh, Keith Butler. He used to have a church up in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Now he has one in Austin, at least one in Austin, and a uh, wonderful minister of the Lord. But I heard him tell when he went on a safari one time. And I could just imagine being on a safari, and you're out there uh, in Africa, and you've got these lions, these roaring lions. And I can imagine being out there by myself, even on a hunt, and I hear that roar, and just the thought of it to me right now kind of like makes my stomach tighten just a little bit, and it makes me want to like turn, and uh, you know, they teach you in, even in conflict resolution that you've got like this fight or flight thing that's going to happen to your body. So immediately what's going to happen is you hear that roar of a lion, and immediately your hearing is, is your sense of hearing is enhanced. And you actually start to hear. So then you hear this roaring lion. Well, then you hear like every little thing, right? You can hear every, you know, like, is that the lion? And where's he at? And what's going on? And where's he going to be? Because, I mean, those things can pounce. And, you know, uh, it's life and death situation. So the word of God tells us that that's what the devil comes like. 
He comes as a roaring lion. So our perception, our thinking, our inputs, our, uh, you know, the sense, sensual inputs that we have, sensory inputs, I should say, not sensual, <laughs> but the sensory inputs uh, come and can be overwhelming and really crippling. Because if you're thinking like there's a lion there, I don't even know what to do because there's no lions here, right? <laughs> I don't know, like a bear, I know what you're supposed to do, right? You're not supposed to run. You're supposed to really stand still and shout and everything, and hopefully they'll go away. But a lion, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Um, but you take note and you pay attention because of the power that's behind that voice. And so... Uh, the devil himself really wants us to believe that he has the kind of power that's behind the voice of a lion, right? But he doesn't have that. But he uses that power of thought to what? He's seeking whom he may devour, right? So if we would let him, he would devour us. But he really doesn't have the power to devour us without us letting him. And so, um, Peter says, be sober. Really, the Holy Spirit says through Peter, be sober, be vigilant. So you got to pay attention, right? Don't just be uh, halfway paying attention. Oh, yeah, I'm half engaged. I'm not half engaged. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Yeah, I'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, I'll... I'll, I'll pray in a little bit. No, like, be sober. In other words, like, uh, don't have, like, uh, just rose-colored glasses all the time. You have an adversary. Be vigilant. So be about it, about the Father's business, about the Word, about standing and, uh, and resisting. Uh, because the devil walks as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So it, it kind of gives us the indication that he's looking around, and he's not just in one place uh, but he's looking for all people. Sometimes people think, well, like, uh, you're a minister or so-and-so is a minister, so uh, you're open to greater attack and um, uh, all of this. Well, I would just say that every single believer has the same authority, the same power, the same Holy Spirit as Jesus himself does. And so, uh, and to the believer that knows that or gets a glimpse of that, uh, you're kind of a threat to the devil and what he wants to do. Because you ever think of, you know, what do they tell people that you're, well, I don't know what they say in the schools now, but well, if you have a bully situation, what's really supposed to happen? Somebody just has to stand up to the bully, and that bully's really a wimp. That bully is really just, has no self-confidence, is really scared himself, and the only way he knows how to, or he or she knows how to relate, is to be like really blustery and boisterous. And, blah, blah, blah. and then um, many times if someone stands up to that bully, you'll find that, uh, they have that bully's respect. And so the devil's really just like a, a windbag because he's been defeated. But if he can get you to believe that he has all of this power, what happens to the bully in school when they walk down the hallway? People get out of the way and let this get, you know, and he'll like take people's lunch and do all this type of stuff and uh, try to do whatever he wants to do, but he really doesn't have the right to do that. And... Uh, a bully can do that with hundreds of people that could all like pounce on him and overcome him. But yet he just gets to do what he wants. And so the devil really wants to masquerade the same way and um, say like, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. But it's up to us to do what verse 9 says, 
whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, I think of Elijah when I, hear, when I see the last part of that verse because Elijah was kind of like, Lord, no one else is serving God. I'm the only one serving God. So no one else is experiencing what I'm experiencing. No one else is going through what I'm going through. No one else knows. But really, we learn like the same experiences are accomplished in your brother. In other words, anybody that's born again, anybody that's a Christian is going to have attack, 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 attack. Okay? And at different points in your life, you may have times where it feels like uh, you've got a great intensity of attack, or it may feel like, oh, things are going along pretty good. Um, but let's start up back in verse 5. Likewise, you younger be in subjection to the elder. Uh, you, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amazing, like there's a passage of scripture that says that God will actually resist you. This is actually written to Christians. So God will resist you. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. The Greek really says, clothe yourselves in humility. And that's like putting on like a towel. Actually, it's the same, same Greek word that was used when Jesus girded himself to uh, wash the disciples' feet. He covered himself. And then really he humbled himself and he washed their feet. So much so did he humble himself that we talked about earlier, Peter was kind of like, whoa, 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 don't do that. And he said, no, 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 you, you, have, to, you have to let me do this. If you don't let me do this, you don't, you don't have any part with me. Like, you're not understanding. I remember um, the two disciples that said, like, Lord, 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 let, I want to sit at your right hand, and I want to sit at your left hand. Let, let, us, let us have that place. And he said, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Can you do this? And so the natural, our way of thinking is like, I want to be in charge, and I want power, and I'm going to have this position. And the Lord said, you don't even understand what I'm going to go through to be exalted the way that I'm going to be exalted. First, I'm sacrificing myself. I'm giving of myself. And then that can happen. So you sometimes look at people in positions of authority or uh, where they're at, especially in ministry, and you see like, well, I want, I want that position. I want to have that. Well, really, do you want to pay the price that they had to pay to get there? Like the sacrifice and, and, uh, and giving it up? So... Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon the Lord for he cares for you. So sometimes you may say like, well, uh, you know, of course, you know, Philippians 4, 6 talks about uh, casting your cares and Matthew 6 talks about casting your cares and worries on the Lord. And you may find yourself in a position where uh, uh, you cast your cares on the Lord and then like, it's like nothing happened. Or they're like right back. Or maybe like while you were actually speaking the prayer and saying, Lord, I cast this upon you. It's like good for just a second and then it's not. And then you feel surrounded again and, and surrounded. Um, and you know, for a long time I saw this verse and I, I just saw it as a command. Cast your, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. See, I misquoted it and I didn't mean to misquote it. Because for years I've quoted it that way. But really, the command is humble yourselves. And you could almost say, by casting your cares. So 
we a lot of times want to look at it like, okay, I'm just going to cast all my cares on the Lord, and, and okay, Lord, now you take them, and then, but we're really so interested in those cares, and we're so interested in being uh, close or intimate with those cares. In other words, like, this is kind of my, uh, what was that movie, My Precious, right? The Lord of the Rings or something, My Precious, My Precious. And, um, you know, I don't know why, because it doesn't even make logic logical sense, but we'll have a, a certain care or a certain thing that we really don't want to give up to the Lord because for whatever reason, like when I say it right now, it makes no sense to any of us probably, but we think we can handle it better than what God can handle it. But that's just natural human thinking. And that's really just us trying to be secure in the flesh and secure in ourselves because um, we're really not sure, like, if I give this to the Lord, like, what, what will happen? Like, somebody needs to be attending to this, right? I mean, planting a church, you can, I can relate to this in so many ways because, like, there's so many things to get done and to do. And you think, like, well, I, I really have to go check on that because, like, what if this is not done? There's a lot, a lot of things that need to be done. And, and uh, you know, I can't just, like, give it off and not think about it. Right? Because there's things you got to do. And so as you look to how you relate to life, that's so many times what we do. And then we try to take that where we would delegate something to someone that is not infallible. And we then approach God that way. So like, okay, Lord, I, I really need you to work in this situation. And um, I really need your help in this situation. But then we'll kind of like go grab it, pick it back up to make sure that he's doing what he should do. Because maybe like, you know... Uh, we're thinking of him too earthly, right? We say, think of him as heavenly, as beyond. And so when uh, the Holy Spirit's saying through Peter, casting all of your cares upon him, it's really the avenue uh, to humility. Humble yourselves by casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So we'll a lot of times look and say like, well, I am... Um, I'm casting the cares, but I wonder if sometimes the reason it seems like a care comes rushing back is because we didn't really fully give it to him. One translation actually says, casting all of your cares once and for all on him. And I love, I mean, we ministered on this a few, a few weeks ago, uh, because he cares for you affectionately and about you watchfully. And so he even gives us the reason to do it because he's saying, you're not designed to carry that. You're not designed to, uh, to have that. And I don't want you to have it. But the only way I can do it is if you humble yourself. And sometimes uh, we may feel that we have humbled ourselves. Like, no, 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 I'm not looking to myself. I'm looking to the Lord. I'm looking to the Lord. Uh, but some of these things, you don't really know until you, what I call, go to the altar. You go to the Lord in prayer and you say, okay, Lord, like, I feel like I've done this. But I know that your word says, like, in you know, Philippians, that the peace of God will flood into my life. And if the peace of God is not flooding into my life, then I want to go like, okay, Lord, your word says this. I'm experiencing something different. What be the problem? Right? Because... Uh, the Lord knows, and uh, the Lord can tell us. So, um, you know, you may be under attack, and you may feel like you're under attack, but you see, like the Holy Spirit told us, that this was going to happen before it even happened. So this attack, this is not an ambush. 
This attack is not a surprise. This attack is a result of being uh, sealed or marked by the Holy Spirit. But also because we're sealed and marked by the Holy Spirit, it's an attack and a fight that we've already won. Jesus has already won it. Jesus has already positioned us. Jesus has already made a place for us. And so we have to take our dominion. And that's really, I'll I'll go ahead for just a second. That's really why verse 9, the Holy Spirit can say, whom resists steadfast? Because for me in my own personal life, uh, I guess it's something that I'm still yet growing in. And there's things that you're always going to grow in all the time and you're going to mature in. And there's no depth to the end of uh, the wisdom and knowledge of God. But I would say that uh, sometimes I'll be uh, fretting or worrying and bombarded by all of these thoughts, all of these things going on, and my uh, thinking becomes, Lord, don't you know what I'm going through? Why aren't you doing something about this? Like, aren't you aware of what's happening? And so uh, I'm like, okay, like, I give you this care, and um, you know I got to get this stuff done, and you know that all this has to happen, and uh, it's kind of like silent, like it is right now. (laughs) And you're kind of like, hmm, I didn't really seem to connect. Why did I not connect? What's going on? And, um, you know... The word of God tells us whom resists steadfast in, our, in, in the faith or in your faith. Uh, the best example I can give of this would be, um, you know, in uh, the 50s, uh, Brother Hagin was really used of the Lord and uh, Jesus appeared to him in a vision several times. One of the times uh, he was at a minister's house and they were, got to talk in the word and time got away from him and a little girl was there and needed to go to bed and she always prayed with her parents. So she's like, daddy, 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 I, I need to go to bed. And she's like, oh, it's 11 o'clock. Yeah, let's, 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 let's pray. Let's just pray right here because it's so late. I just want you to get to bed. I can relate to that. And so they knelt down to pray and when they knelt down, he knelt down in a cloud. And in that cloud, Jesus appeared to him and said, I'm going to teach you concerning the devil, demons, and demon possession. For what's known in my word is discerning your spirits will operate in your life and ministry from this point forward anytime you're in the spirit. And so um, I'll not tell the whole thing, but, uh, and I probably obviously don't know the whole thing because he didn't ever tell the whole thing. Uh, but uh, the most significant thing relating to what we're talking about is in the middle of that vision, Jesus is teaching him how to deal with the devil, <laughs> demons, and demon possession. And this little imp demon about the size of a monkey walks up, comes, starts floating in the air, it's about the size of a monkey, and says, yakety yak yak, yakety yak yak, yakety yak yak. And as he says this, this um, dark cloud starts forming, and this little cloud comes. And so Brother Higgins is there, and Jesus is here, and the little demon is in between them. The cloud forms, and he's yakety yak yak, yakety yak yak. Well, Jesus just keeps talking like nothing is happening. Like he doesn't even notice that it's there. And so Brother Hagin's like getting uh, concerned and upset because he's like, I really need to hear what he's saying, right? I mean, like when the Lord's uh, talking, I know even like when the Lord's speaking in my heart and a bunch of other racket and stuff's going on, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I want to I wanna like write this down. I wanna, don't want to let this get away from me. Well, to make a long story short, he got so frustrated. He said, uh, he said, 
uh, Brother Hagin said, shut up in the name of Jesus. And the thing stopped talking and dropped to the ground. And he said, not only that, get out of here in the name of Jesus. And it went away whimpering. And uh, then Jesus said to him, if you hadn't done that, I couldn't have. And he kind of went back and forth with Jesus like three times and said like, oh, I, excuse me, I heard you wrong. I must have heard you wrong. You said you wouldn't have, right? And he's like, no, I said I couldn't have. He said, I'm sorry. I must have heard you wrong. So finally, the third time, Jesus said, no, I said I couldn't. And he said, well, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but I can't accept that. You're going to have to give me uh, at least three, because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And I'm living under the New Covenant, New Testament, so I want at least three scriptures from the New Testament. And Jesus said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four. And so one of the scriptures that he gave him is this scripture right here. And so uh, I'm trying to illustrate my point of it's easy to get in the thinking of I'm just waiting for God to do something about my situation when Jesus said, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will by any means harm you. So we unconsciously uh, look to the Lord. Because we should look to the Lord, because uh, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has accomplished everything. But what he did is he delegated all of his authority, all of his power, all of his position, all of his rapport to us. And he said, I want you to take care of this. And uh, as a leader, I love that delegation because you think like uh, you delegated it so much that you won't even take it back, <laughs> right? You, you trust us so much that... Um, uh, if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. And that's how much he trusts us to reach the lost and to reach the world and, and uh, uh, to, get, to get out there. And then he says that those who are under attack, who are under, under attack of the devil, need to come what? Under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves and come under the mighty hand of God um, so that he can work. Uh, I also think of like the uh, Hebrew children. They're in Egypt, they're slaves, they're in bondage. And then uh, God uses Moses to bring them out. Remember the story? He brings them out. And what happens? They start going and going and everything's good and they're all happy until what big body of water do they hit? The Red Sea. And now what happens to them? Well, it, we're going to die out here. What have you done, Moses? We're not going to live. We're going to die. We were better off over in bondage with, with slave owners. Let, let's go back. This isn't working out. This isn't going to be this way. And um, we'll a lot of times have what we see before our eyes, what we see in front of us, what we feel like is surrounding us. In front of us is this sea that we would drown in, and behind us is this army that will kill us and overtake us and bring us back into bondage. And make our lives much worse. But when we look up, we find like there's God. And he makes a way where it seems like there is no way, where it seems like uh, it's impossible. He makes dry ground appear out of like trillions of gallons of however many gallons of water that was. You probably shouldn't measure it in gallons. I mean, God will show up 
right in the middle of our situation when we humble ourselves and we look to him. Because the Hebrew children really, they were measuring the situation after their own ability. They were measuring the situation out of what they knew, but they weren't really measuring it based on the power of God. Because if they would have, they never would have said that, right? Because then there's no mountain that's too big. There's no valley you can't cross because um, God created the mountains and he created the, the valleys and he's the one that makes a way where there uh, seems to be no way. Let's look uh, real quick at Matthew chapter 14, verses uh, 25 through 33. Matthew chapter 14. This is the story where we find uh, the disciples on the water and then um, in the fourth watch of the night, verse 25, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out with fear. But straightway Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered them and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come out on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And they were in the ship, came and worshiped him, saying, of a truth, you are the son of God. So Peter's like walking on the water. Peter's like above uh, the stormy water. And he takes his eye off of Jesus. But he did walk on the water. And he walked on the water enough that he actually got close to Jesus because it says Jesus reached down and picked him up. And actually the word tells us, doesn't say that Peter sank. It says that Peter began to sink, right? Because I don't know how you begin to sink when you're walking on the water. If you've ever walked on the water, you can tell me afterwards, after the service, right? But you don't begin to sink, you sink. So it's almost like Jesus was looking at the author and the finisher of his faith. And as he's looking, he kind of catches something in his peripheral. And he's kind of like, what? What is that? And he just kind of begins to sink. And Jesus, in the midst of that, he grabs down and he pulls him up. Because even though we have authority, we're not alone in this world. Jesus lives inside of us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you can, you can, uh, you can uh, very easily decide that we have authority we are made in the likeness and image of God. We are new creatures. And, um, you know, I don't really need the Lord so much because he's made me like him. Well, that's really not biblical because it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Uh, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So... Even in the midst of our storms, the storms that come against our lives, the storms against us that come against us, we always remain close to Jesus. We should always remain close to Jesus so that he can just reach down and grab us. Because, uh, you know, that, that song really blessed me this morning, uh, Oh, the Blood, because you realize that none of us is perfect and none of us uh, could do it without him and without his blood. And the blood of Jesus 
I just always picture it as, um, you know, if you took like a, a cloth, a white cloth, and you had blood, and you just like put a big drop of blood in the middle of it, it would begin to permeate, 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 and pretty soon it would be within every fiber of that cloth. And I think of my life like that cloth, and I think like uh, the blood of Jesus really reaches every point, every uh, problem, every difficulty, um, every good thing, every bad thing. And as long as I live my life under the blood of Jesus, then really I'm under the protection of Jesus because I'm not living it or doing it on my ability. So same thing when I'm humbling myself, when I'm casting my, by casting my cares, I'm saying, Lord, um, I don't have what it takes. I may feel like I have what it takes, but I know I don't have what it takes. You have what it takes and you actually conquered this. So I'm going to connect with you by giving this to you so that you can work through me. And that's what we call um, humbling ourselves. So the way that we cast our cares on him um, is by humbling ourselves. And sometimes we will look and we'll say like, well, uh, I don't know why I'm going through this or I don't know why this happened and um, this is like a big uh, bump in the road and it's causing me to uh, slow down in accomplishing your will and not being where you want me to be. Uh, but really, when we come and it's not the favorite verse, right? But verse 10 says, after you've suffered a while, then you actually experience the glory of God. And one of the most interesting things is uh, that when you experience uh, anxiety and, and uh, the things that go along with it, if you're not humbling yourself, uh, you don't really connect with that. But when we humble ourselves, we connect with it so that we're saying, Lord, I can't live without you. I can't breathe without you. I can't do anything without you. So sometimes, uh, you know, all of these things come against us and seem to surround us and mentally do surround us. And those things actually cause us to look in the right direction and to refocus and say, whoa, 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 wait a second. I need you in every part of my life. And I didn't realize I, like, I'm trying to do this on my own. I need your help. And uh, that's, that's us humbling ourselves and looking to him. We'll finish out with uh, First Peter again. 1 Peter chapter uh, 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brothers that are in the world. But the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Uh, amen. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive and powerful. 
sharper than any uh, scalpel, any sword, any surgeon's tool. Father, we thank you that your word uh, helps us to understand and gives us life and uh, puts something into us and makes changes within us. Father, we thank you that you didn't design us to carry a heavy load, but you said that when we bring all of our cares to you, uh, that you'll take care of them and that we don't have to carry them, that we can carry your peace that passes all understanding. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd like uh, everyone really to uh, repeat this after me. I mean it from your heart. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you under your mighty hand. I trust you and your mighty hand in every area of my life. So I give to you all of my worries, all of my anxieties, all of my stresses, everything that concerns me. I'm asking you right now to work in those situations. I'm not going to try to do it myself. I'm going to allow you to take care of it. I'm going to live a life of freedom. I'm going to resist the devil and not allow him to work in my life by giving you all of my worries and all of my stresses. So I'm free now because of the blood of Jesus and because of the name of Jesus. Satan, I give you notice. You have no right to me, to my mind, to my body, to my finances, to my family. Uh, you're done. I don't allow you to influence or work in my life. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Jesus is Lord over my mind, over my body, over everything that concerns me. I give him free access. He's speaking to me now. I am his sheep and I hear his voice and I don't follow strange voices. I plead the blood of Jesus over my heart and my mind and my body. I belong to the Lord. I am his and he is mine. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord is the light of my life. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The blood of Jesus prevents deception and aborts or stops any attempt of the enemy to deceive me. The blood of Jesus is my divine covering and protection against all of the attacks of the enemy. The blood of Jesus is alive. It's so full of life and grace 
it perfects everything that concerns me. Reconciling everything in me to the perfect will of God every day and in every way. Father, we thank you, we praise you for your good and your mercy endures forever. We thank you for setting us free by the blood of Jesus, for giving us life and help and hope. Thank you most of all and so much this morning for taking all of our cares, for setting us free from cares, Father, and giving us the freedom to be who you've made us to be and who you've called us to be. Thank you for living in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.